morning, good afternoon, and good evening from wherever you're listening in the world to this podcast today. My name's Paul Webb. I am the founder of B2B Energy, and you are listening to Energy Speaks Back. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to episode 16 of Energy Speaks Back. Weekly, I present to you experts from around the world. Today, we are in the USA. The subject today will be accelerating the transition to electric vehicles. Our objectives are for energy experts to gain a good understanding of energy management knowledge from around the world, which is available today to deliver savings that impact on our planet. Today, I'm joined by an expert from California. He's the founder of Talk EVs, and he has a passion to accelerate the transition to electric vehicles. So without any further ado, I give you Bill Soul. Good. Oh, well, I'm really getting confused because it's good evening from me today, <laughs> Bill, and it's good morning from you. So how are you, Bill? I'm well, thanks. How are you, Paul? Yeah, very good. And um, I take it you've woken up to the sun this morning? Yep. Um, it's Christmas Eve morning here. So uh, the kids are all fired up. They already uh, Skyped with their grandmother, opened some presents. So now they're occupied. So this is great timing. Brilliant. Bill, we've been talking uh, a couple of times recently. but um, So I've learned a little bit about yourself. But it'd be good to know more and for you to share that with our listeners today. So can you give us some background? So um, I started working with uh, in the auto industry with Toyota and I was running social media and digital media campaigns for them. And um, I was lucky enough to start their social media lead gen program. Um, it took a while. I got laughed out of a lot of meetings. You know, everyone's just like, listen, you're never going to sell a Camry on Facebook. So forget it. Uh, but what happened was we actually did, and it was really quite successful. And we, um, during a Tundra, Tundra launch, we targeted the Gulf States Toyota region, which is, which includes Texas. And, you know, if, um, for most people, they kind of understand that F-150 is the best selling vehicle. Um, it's dominated by sales in Texas. It, Texas basically bankrolls Ford. And, um, it's been the best selling vehicle forever. So what we did was we conquested that area. Um, we were pulling in a ton of leads. Uh, they closed really well and we were off and running. I worked a lot on their alt uh, fuel lineup. Toyota's had kind of an interesting history with um, alt fuel vehicles, but I was there when they had um, the RAV4 EV, which they scrapped. And I was also there when they had the partnership with Tesla and Elon Musk, which did not go well either, but okay. they tried. Uh, Toyota invested in Tesla and they did really well with that investment. So as I was uh, working through the Prius family on a bunch of campaigns, Toyota moved to Texas. I stayed in California and decided to go off and do my own thing. Worked with um, agencies and OEMs to build out campaigns to target um, for auto shows and in-market shoppers and et cetera. 
and gravitated um, toward the electric vehicle space and did some work with um, electric vehicle charging companies. And now I've landed with um, a partner and we're developing um, a battery kit and motor, the whole EV conversion kit. So it'd be a, a, the motor, the battery, uh, the battery management system, the software, et cetera. Uh, and we're targeting EV conversions now. And uh, as soon as we have that kit, we're trying to get it under $15,000 and we're pretty close. Um, so for people who don't really know much about EV conversions, a lot of, um, a lot of what these companies are doing is buying scrapped Teslas and on the salvage market. And um, they're just basically yanking the batteries and the motor out of them and then reselling the husk of the Tesla and converting cars using that, using the old parts. But with the dramatic decrease in cost of batteries, now that we're getting to that, this mythical $100 per kilowatt target, um, it's getting a lot cheaper. And if we can get this EV conversion kit with the battery under $15,000, we think we can kind of start to establish this market and mass produce EV conversions of cool old vehicles that people would want to buy. That's brilliant. And have you done any prototypes at the, at the moment? You got any that, that you can talk about? So we have for last mile delivery vans. My right. partner um, is in Mexico City uh, called E Zero and uh, owned by a guy by the name of Derek Hall. And he um, imports. Chinese delivery vans and distributes them through Latin America. So his team has become really good at and skilled at um, tweaking these vehicles because, um, you know, these products from China, they need to be kind of improved a little bit. Let's just leave it at that. Yeah, yeah. And what he's been doing is um, working with his team on those. And through that, all that work through distributing the, the last mile delivery vans, uh, he's been able to become, he's been able to build a team that's become really good at uh, basically tweaking this kit. And he thinks he also has, you know, the basic chassis that can be applied to um, a, a, a bunch of different vehicles, not just in uh, for delivery vans, because um, he has a very, it's a smaller kind of delivery van that he, he distributes. But uh, he's going to use that, the chassis or skateboard, people like to call it now, and, uh, and the kit, and, and easily convert cars. So is it like, excuse my ignorance on this, is it like a, a Skyelectric car where you have like a base, you take the cover off and you put a new cover on? Or am I simplifying it too much? I mean, it, it's, kind of, it's about as simple as, yeah, I, but it's close to the truth. So, yeah, there are a lot of different people who are doing a lot of interesting work and um, it all kind of revolves around that quote unquote skateboard. So um, whether or not people are kind of like taking a chassis that can be either um, modified or applied to other vehicles, or even there's a company in Israel that's um, has like three chassis or three skateboards that actually, you know, can be kind of changed and, um, and, and applied to, different vehicles from, you know, vehicles like 
uh, passenger vehicles all the way to kind of like class two to eight. Um, and that's, that's really interesting. What a lot of people here are doing, um, a company called Zero Labs out here in California, they, um, they're doing the high-end market for this. There are a couple of, of companies doing this high-end, like really like not conversions. They're like reimagining old cool cars. So there are a couple companies that are like Lunaz Design is doing a Rolls Royce. This, this thing sells for like 630,000 wow. bucks. Zero Labs has a Ford Bronco and a Land Rover. Those are almost 200 grand. And there's a company in Russia that's doing the same for a Mustang. It's almost like they're reproducing um, these cars as, you know, kind of um, modern updates rather than modif rather than like resto modding them. But um, they're also coming out now with these chassis that can be applied to other cars. So can they apply, can they be applied broadly? No, I mean, you know, the chassis are kind of super specific, but if you go, if you stick to say like Volkswagen, Porsche vehicles, uh, there's a company called EV West that really is the industry leader and has been for years that sticks to Porsches and uh, the Volkswagen chassis can be applied to a lot of different vehicles. So that's where people usually start. Yeah. But um, really, I think the uh, huge progress is going to be because it's kind of a niche market EV conversions of really cool cars, um, which I personally love, but um, I think there's a ceiling to it. The one that, we're looking toward is kind of like transitioning that into um, the last mile delivery vans and other vehicles that have a life beyond the engine. And so, you know, when you can kind of use the car and then the engine's dying out and then swap the engine and double the life, we think that there's a more environmental element to this. And we, the utilities generally call these repower programs. But I mean, if you think about it, like a school bus, why that thing should be able to last forever, right? And yeah. they're so toxic with their fumes. And some people even call them rolling coffins for kids. So if we can keep the shell and repower them and make them electric, we think there's going to be a really big market for it. Yeah. So really what you're, you're trying to do is making it more of a practical, it's a great idea to do, right. um, but you're, you're turning it into a practical solution regarding what we need to be doing with these old buses or old vehicles, for instance. Right. Like there's, uh, there are 280, uh, 280 million vehicles on the road in the United States. And generally before the pandemic, for a couple of straight years, we were selling 17 to 16, 17 million new vehicles a year. So if you have like 280 million vehicles on the road, uh, why not just start there if we can swap this out, if, if it makes sense financially? Yeah. And as you say, the, the engine normally phase before the car. Right. You know, especially with like the likes of diesel and, and things like that, they've got a life cycle regarding the engine. And you're just going to take that engine out Yep. You're just going to put it onto a new skateboard, basically. 
Right. And so um, with like the, the original kind of the first movers on this were, it's definitely Evie West and, and the, the guys with, you know, rich old guys with Porsches, let's be honest. Like this is who is doing it. But what people realize is this, that like when you, you notice the fuel savings, eventually what you'll notice is the maintenance savings. And right. if you have a really old Porsche, you know, that thing's costly to keep on the road. And um, there was a kind of a watershed moment in my industry when um, New York City came out with their annual report a couple of years ago. They had, they had started acquiring an electric vehicle fleet and they reported the fuel savings, but they also reported that the maintenance savings was dollar for dollar. So that really kind of showed other municipalities that uh, sure, everyone understands that fuel savings is going to be, um, is going to drastically save money slash the you know budget with uh, fuel costs, but like, saving one for one with maintenance is really uh, significant and it's helpful, especially for municipalities. Yeah. What about the, um, so whenever I've had conversations about EV, everyone's always raised the issue, issues with range. Range is a big problem at the moment because we haven't got the ranges. And, you know, if I get in my car and I've got to use it for work, for instance, I could be driving over 300 miles. So I'm going to right. be exceeding. So by the time I get to the end of that journey, I'm going to need somewhere to plug it in right. and quickly charge it so I can drive back again. Yep. How are you going to address those issues? It's, I mean, it's a serious issue. Um, honestly, uh, I think it's an issue that um, very few people encounter. And if say you do travel, you know, like 300 plus, then yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be a, something that you're going to need to seriously consider. So the kit that we're working on right now is about a three, 30 kilowatt um, battery that will last about 120 miles of range. Now for municipalities, we're targeting fixed route vehicles. So if you think about what fixed route vehicles need to be swapped out, um, there are a couple of really good candidates. School buses, as we mentioned, were one. Uh, they only go X amount of miles. Yeah. Uh, a really interesting um, scenario is a couple sanitation districts in California are looking at electric vehicles for sanitation trucks. So that's a very small fixed route. And uh, that's really interesting. And then you have, um, you know, all the other class two to eight vehicles and, uh, you know, last mile delivery vans are a great one. So Amazon is really jumping in with both feet. They have um, out here a partnership with Rivian to deliver 10,000 last mile delivery vans. Out by you in your world, Arrival is um, the big winner in this. They've really started, done some great work uh, on this front. And, and buses. That that buses. What's that? Is that the bus people? I, I think they do both. And right. I, but I, I've read more about their last mile delivery vans. There's a bunch of um, bus people as well, like companies that are doing great work with buses, such as like um, Proterra out here by us, BYD, Lion. Uh, those are great companies doing uh, great work with with bus electric buses. Um, so 
and another conversation that's popping up is this, like here in the United States, what are they going to do with postal service vehicles? Um, You know, so the, the post office has a huge, huge fleet and that's a very fixed route and they don't go very far. So if like, if someone say someone's like a, um, a traveling salesperson and, and they, they really log some serious miles, is this ideal right now for them? Uh, maybe not. I don't think people want to sit around at a waiting for a fast charger and then waiting a half hour to 45 minutes to have their vehicle charged. So we have a long way to go, but right now with not only um, the infrastructure progress that we've made, but also being able to charge fixed route vehicles for municipalities overnight, um, just scheduling and charging the demand response aspects and the load management for these people to actually charge off peak hours um, that helps. And Everyone, um, all the way down to, uh, there are a couple of examples of police departments starting to buy Teslas, which uh, I got to be honest with you, that kind of, that really surprises me. But we see a broad use of application for this. And um, we're starting to see these case studies roll in where it's a lot more relatable than a couple rich old guys in Southern California swapping out engines in their Porsches. I, you know, that's a bit more aspirational and less functional than a municipality buying, say, like um, an electric school bus that they can put out for a fixed route, then charge overnight. You keep saying old guy. I'm feeling a bit old at the moment now. You keep saying <laughs> old guys and looking at me thinking, I don't have a Porsche, and it's definitely isn't electric. Um, so you got the old guys. What's the sort of market going to be for? Because that excites me a little bit because it's seeing the old traditional. Uh, vintage car being converted because we are suffering with that because the lights of London you're not allowed to take old well, eventually I presume now you can't take old cars into London because of their their emissions yep and you guys have established a target date where you want to swap all the way over to EVs so what we what we've targeted uh, there, you know, there are several cars that we think are really good options, and we're going to start to test anything from, you know, obviously the Porsche, the, the Jag E types, uh, Shelby Cobras. Um, we've talked to a couple of people who are really interested in like the late '50s, early '60s Corvette Stingrays, which uh, maybe I'm leading that conversation because that's the one I'm interested in the most. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the '60s muscle cars, I think, are great. Um, for this and we don't I mean I don't know how widespread it's going to be for people to swap out uh, their personal you know cars that they have and once so I'm in California you're in the UK and we're, we're both in an environment where the government's mandating EV adoption um, we know that like, as I said earlier, there are 280 million vehicles on the road in the United States registered. They're not all going to be swapped out. I mean, people are going to push back. They're not going to do it. But um, if you think about like who's in the mix for this and who wouldn't be, it one thing that's going to change a lot of thinking is going to be 
the Ford F-150 coming out as an electric truck, that like you think of Ford F-150 drivers as kind of, um, you know, these whole, these people who, you know, do not want anyone telling them what to do. They have a, they have a truck, it serves, you know, utility for work and, you know, they, they need it to, they basically want what they want, which is a big gas puzzling, ferocious um, truck. But once that, that comes out as an EV, I, I really think that's going to change hearts and minds and people are going to kind of see that this is a serious option. This is just not some environmentalist driving around in a Prius. Um, so that I think will really help. Mm-hmm. I don't think EV conversions um, will ever be a hundred percent like widespread. It's just not going to happen. But as we chip away at say like people who understand they can save uh, not only save the fuel, save the maintenance fees, but also like extend the life of their vehicle that they love. Um, we can start chipping away at certain segments and uh, that's progress is progress, man. This, so that's exciting. But then also um, there's other benefits regarding the speed and the torque of these things, because that's, you know, I see it on things like Top Gear. Yeah. Okay. It's a UK uh, program regarding, and they're often putting Teslas or, or electric cars up against the petrol car. And yeah. it's just ultimately leaving it behind. Yep. So we are going to get those benefits, aren't we? Well, yeah. And uh, you know who gets this is uh, Elon Musk. And so we have a, we have a partnership with a, a website, this platform, Electrek, and they, they're pretty big. They get about 12 million unique visitors a month. And so we've, we've talked to them quite a bit about partnering up on some of these programs that we're going to implement soon, but they've told us what works for them and what, what gets attention when they post certain content. And the number one piece of content that they get is when a Tesla is on a track blowing away a Porsche. And so yeah. that always, always uh, is the highest, uh, most traffic piece of content that they produce. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, these things are beasts when they're on the road. They're really cool and they're really functional. So um, that's that part's exciting. For me as well, I think, I'm going back about four years ago when we had Formula E was in London um, and very exciting. And we watched these these um, Formula One electric cars racing around the um, the, the track in a, in a park. Very, very bizarre track. Um, I won't go into the kilowatt hours that were being produced. <laughs> I had to get that one in. But yes, there's significant power in these batteries. Um, yeah. And they did sound like electrified milk flows, you know, <laughs> absolutely amazing. But it was interesting to know that it wasn't any of the main names in this, in the uh, the Formula E, for instance, the Mercedes, the the uh, the Porsches, the big names regarding what we were seeing racing. But I think we are going to start to see that slowly start to happen. And then when we do. That is when all the because de- the development for the, the car is done on the racetrack, and that's where we're right. going to start seeing it. 
Yeah. I mean, if you think about how much money they have to pour into those teams to keep them running and, you know, all the innovation that comes from it. And uh, one interesting part of Formula E is that they, they would do the battery swap. They wouldn't charge them. They'd just swap out the batteries. Like they were yeah. swapping tires at the pit crew. And, yeah. you know, there's a lot of that going on in China. Um, there isn't much of it here, but, you know, as range extension doing the battery swap, it's interesting. Um, it's expensive, but um, I, I don't know where this is going to go. I just know that we are at the beginning of this and there's so much innovation that's coming fast and furious and especially around batteries that we're going to be, um, and who knows where we're going to be in a couple of years. And you look at stuff like Formula E really pushing the boundaries of it. And um, I think that OEMs would be crazy to not get in it, although it is <laughs> it's really expensive to, to run those races. Yeah. Uh, and it's super cool. But um, yeah, I mean, like... I found it very exciting as well, because you'll get an app, you all vote for your favorite uh, team and your favorite driver, and he gets boosted and things. Yep. It's it's very uh, entertaining for the the the, uh, the uh, spectator. I really found it very amazing. Really, yeah. We need, for the sake of electric vehicles, we can't. You know, these like EV conversions is not going to be mass produced on the level that, like you know, say uh, the big OEMs are building cars. But what it is is it can show people what can be done. It gets people excited and interested in it, and. You know, when they see an old vehicle, like, you know, nostalgia has a, a huge pull on people. And so everyone has their old, cool, favorite car with like, oh, wow, I love that one. And whether it's like, you know, something from their youth or whatever, it it gets people excited about it. People think it's cool. So that part's been really uh, interesting to watch. And if that helps push the electric vehicle industry forward a little bit, then that's great because honestly, um, it applies to a lot of different uh, industry. Well, not industries, but a lot of different segments of this industry. And we think that we can kind of gain attention and adoption by having these cool, bright, shiny objects yeah. and get into municipalities that way and start to swap out their um, fixed route vehicles. And that's really, to me, Paul, what's really exciting that uh, that opportunity. And once we get there, you know, you're really starting to talk about widespread adoption. I think personally, I think electric vehicle um, adoption hinges on two elements, two really key elements, and that's municipal fleet. And also moms being able to drive a, a, an electric vehicle SUV around daily and plug in at a grocery store while they they shop that type of stuff we're not quite there yet we're getting there but i think when when those two really important segments are covered we'll make some progress totally agree with you can i just pick up on the the shiny objects and what shiny objects do you have you achieved any of these conversions regarding the, the classic car have you got anything that you've done so far so we've done a porsche speedster it's and it's really cool uh we also did a vw beetle and right. it, i think i've seen the beetle actually 
Yep. It's really cool. And um, what, what we think that we think that's the start. And, yeah. you know, as we um, talked about this earlier, the Volkswagen, especially, you know, the old Beatles, they have a really reliable chassis and yeah. one that can um, extend to different vehicles. And so if we can tackle that and, you know, really carve out Volkswagens and Porsches, then, um, then we're in good shape and we can move on from there. Yeah, we have... the, um, the Volkswagen frame, uh, that always used to be the base for every uh, kit car. If you had to buy a kit car, you had to go and buy an old VW uh, right. Beetle to then convert that. So I can see where you're going with, with that. Yeah. Um, and there are some really cool kit cars that you can do, like the Shelby Cobra, stuff like that. Um, yeah. Those are awesome. So I agree 100%. Yeah, exactly. That's that's exactly where we're going with it. But Bill, what, what, what's on your list? Tell me what, what's your shiny... <laughs> Come on, you got to share that with you, with us because I yeah. you know what mine is, but um, everyone loves what mine is. Um, I I love the you know late fifties, early sixties Corvette Stingrays. That's the one I want. That's like that's first on my list. I've I've got um you know like a a text thread with you know my brother and cousins, and you know one of them is dying for one of those old um, VW buses. Oh yeah, loves those. Yeah, yeah, those are really cool. Yeah, yeah people, yeah. people love those too. Yeah. Um, so everyone has you know their favorite, and you know we're we're in a couple groups together. So like you know I've put up polls that people have voted in stuff like that. Um, I I personally think that the '60s era muscle cars are great. Uh, people love those, and um. Yeah, so that that's kind of the niche we want to carve out. Well, I know um, the group we're in. I put my car up, and everyone sort of laughed at me a little bit. And so <laughs> um, my my dad worked for Fords, and I've, it's got to be a Ford. Um, so yeah. my, when I was nineteen, I had a RS Ford Escort, which sounds normal, um, but this was an RS two thousand rally car, and it was yeah. beast on the road. Nothing touched it. Um, it was bright orange. Um, it was just a beautiful car. I sold that car in when I was 20, going on 21. I sold that car for 1,400 pounds. Recently, I thought I'd like to go and get one as a you know collector's car or whatever. It was 60,000 pounds for me to go and buy the car. I'm thinking, I'm crazy. Why did I sell? Right? But it wouldn't be <laughs> building bits. The engine would be no good. But what a car to uh, to convert! Yeah, and also, um, like if you did convert it, you could blow Nico right off the road with it, since you, since he was the one I think giving you grief about picking up. Yeah, Ford. yeah, he uh, he gave me a lot of stick to my, <laughs> to my heart. He made me cry actually. Uh, so I'm going to go. I'm going to go on here to say that Nico made me cry by saying, "Yeah, rally cars are super cool." <laughs> if if um. If there were a rally race of for EVs, that'd be awesome. And a rally yeah. race for restaurants, that would be really yeah. cool. There's well, down I'm, here. Look, I'm a, I've got English cars. They're my choices. And then up against you, American Jacks, with your Corvettes, you know, <laughs> I've got no chance, have I? Mustang. Well, everyone, 
Yeah, everyone loves the Jag E type. So, like, that's one um, that we've been considering uh, next as to as a test. Um, we <laughs> everyone loves those things. So, we um, there are a couple that we're kicking around right now, but right now we're fixed on you know getting the battery, the battery management system, um, and the motor to under a certain price so we can kind of like, uh, you know, get going on this and, and mass produce these things. Right. Well, Bill, I, I didn't really, uh, I hope you've listened to some of my uh, podcasts because I normally like to finish the podcast with a little uh, question back to you to put you on the spot. So okay. is there anything that you can give our listeners back? Is there a takeaway from today, a conversational or something from you personally? So this is what I personally would ask all the listeners to do. Test drive an EV. Uh, it's really the most important part of this. Uh, it's not a golf cart. And you'll, soon enough, you'll find soon enough that it's actually can be a high performance vehicle. Like you said, you know, like you see these videos of people kind of like lining up a Tesla versus a Porsche and blowing them off the line. These things aren't golf carts. These are, you know, they're, they can be very practical and they save money, but they're, they're awesome. Like we've really come a long way. Um, in our group, someone actually posted two days ago that they saw the Mustang Mach-E on the road in Denver and they took a picture of it. That thing looks really fucking cool and it's <laughs> going to be a great vehicle. Right. VW jumping into this thing with both feet, just test drive one of these things and give it a shot. Right. Bill, I'll be honest, I haven't driven an EV car. But over well, the holiday season, I'm going to, just because of that. We're going to fix go that. Yeah, I'm going to go and try it. I've never driven one. Um, so, yes, that's going to be my my goal for 2021 is to drive an EV. We're going to swap out a Ford rally car for you then. Yeah, brilliant. You, you're going to have to, you've got no choice anyway. You know that, Bill, don't you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, we, won't talk. we won't talk for many years if you don't do that <laughs> you got it man brilliant well bill look thank you very much for joining us today it's been really great catching up um i hope you and your family have a safe christmas and i know you were saying earlier that your your kids are really running around going mad over the the christmas excitement i wish you a great christmas and be safe thank you very much for coming today thank you paul Thank you for joining me today on this podcast and thank you for my special guest. Please go and check out our website on www.b2benergy.co.uk where you can see many more insights to how you can manage that third largest expense. Thank you. That just leaves me for one more thing to say. Be safe.